It's the beginning of spring in Houston, which means that fire ant mounds are beginning to erupt. I hate fire ants. Today I am talking about them with Scott Solomon, a Rice University entomologist who studies ants. He explains the surprising reason that fire ants have taken over our part of the country and the best ways that we can fight back. It's Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Scott, tell me about fire ants. Oh my, how much time do we have? We can, we can talk fire <laughs> ants all day. You know, it's, it's, it's what everybody loves to hate here in Houston, right? I mean, we all hate fire ants. Yeah, they bite they me. They do. And I don't like being, you know, attacked by fire ants any more than anybody else does. But there are some really interesting things, I think, that about fire ants and things that they do that are kind of surprising and interesting. So, I mean, the first thing is that the fire ants that we are most familiar with, they're not from here. They're they're actually called the red imported fire ant because they were imported accidentally. Uh, oh, I was going to say, nobody did that intentionally. No, thankfully, no. Nobody okay. nobody brought them here on purpose. They were accidentally introduced, actually, to Mobile, Alabama, of all places, uh, <laughs> probably in the 1930s. And this actually happens a lot with, with ants. They can get accidentally transported by ships, like in soil or ballast. And then, you know, once they make it ashore, they can spread. So they get their foothold in Alabama, and then they spread relentlessly. They did. They spread relentlessly. And, you know, the thing is, so, I mean, by 1950s, they were already here in Houston. So they spread really quickly from Mobile all the way uh, west to, to Texas in just, you know, less than, you know, 10 years or so. And there's a couple of reasons for that. I mean, basically, they had an unfair advantage <laughs> over, over native ants. And we do have a lot of oh. native ants here, believe it or not. And some of them are uh, you know, really interesting and important and do cool things. And uh, unfortunately, the fire ants often kind of displace them when they show up. How did they do that? What happened is once they made it here to North America, they had escaped many of their natural enemies. And this happens a lot when you get a, a species that ends up in a new place, they get away from their natural enemies. So for fire ants, one of those enemies are these little tiny flies that you've probably never seen before. They're like almost microscopic, but they attack ants. And if one of these flies attacks a fire ant, it will lay an egg inside the body of the worker ant. And the fly egg hatches, and the little fly larva lives inside the ant, actually feeds... A living ant. It's feeding off of its body tissues from the inside. It's eating it from the inside while the ant is going about its business. Eventually, the fly larva gets big enough that it actually kills the ant. And it's super gruesome and crazy and awesome the way that happens because it actually <laughs> migrates to the ant's head. It causes the ant's head to fall off and then the adult fly emerges from the ant's head capsule. It's like better than science fiction. Oh, this is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Okay. But, you know, if you uh, want to experience a little schadenfreude on the behalf of the ants, you know, uh, then the forward flies are, are, are your buddy. So where are fire ants from originally? They're from South America, from Brazil, okay. Argentina. Uh, and, you know, okay. so they, in, in that area, they have these forward flies attacking them. So needless to say, yeah. the ants don't like getting these attacked by these flies, right? So back right. In, in South America, if these flies are out, the ants are going to avoid them. So when they made it to North America, all of a sudden, hey, this place is great. 
we don't have these forward flies to attack us. And so they are able to be out all day finding all of the food that you left at your picnic. And, you know, there's no there's no problem for them to, to be out and about. Do native ants have problems with those disgusting flies? They actually have their own forward flies here. The forward flies are very specific oh. to a certain species of host, a certain species of ant. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, that gave the uh, fire ants an unfair advantage when they made it here to North America. Oh. So they they have this unfair advantage and they begin spreading relentlessly. So that's one of the reasons that they have an unfair advantage. Yeah. They also had this crazy mutation that happened to them. And this is a weird thing that, that as far as we know, is unique to these um, red imported fire ants. Here in the United yeah, States? Yeah, it, it, it happened. So we have mutant fire ants here in the U.S. It is if they weren't bad enough. Now you can think of them as <laughs> mutant ants that almost have their own superpower because what happened is that there was a mutation that caused part of their DNA to be basically like copied and pasted, but backwards. So the, that piece of DNA is now backwards on the chromosome, and it's on a, a section of a chromosome called the social chromosome because it's the DNA in, those, in that area that allows ants to recognize other ants as belonging to their same nest. How do they do that? So ants have these chemicals on their bodies that the other ants use. They use their antennae. If you look at ants carefully, you see them touching each other with their antennae. They're smelling each other. And they can tell oh. if another ant that they encounter belongs to their nest or not. And if it doesn't belong to their nest, normally they will fight, right? Ants from different colonies oh. will fight to the death almost every time. So why is that good for fire ants? Why is it useful not to be able to tell who is an outsider? Well, they basically have two options, right? I mean, either they can attack every ant they see in case it isn't a member of their nest, or they can do the opposite. They can accept every ant that they see as a potential nest mate. And that's what they have ended up doing. So they don't, do they just get creamed by other ants now? I mean, actually how, the opposite. Why is this an it's advantage? It's the opposite because yeah. what it means is that all of, if you know, if you've got multiple fire ant nests in your backyard, and you probably do, then what oh, it means yeah. is that normally without that mutation, each of those nests is sort of fending for themselves. They'll attack one another and fight. Instead, now they're all working together. They're all cooperating. Oh. It's like it's one enormous fire ant colony, all, you know, acting as siblings, as sisters. And so now every other ant that's not a fire ant is really outnumbered. So that's another major unfair advantage that, that the, the fire ants have. So how do I fight back? How do I get rid of fire ants? You know, if you want to kill a fire ant colony that's in your yard, you have to kill the queen, right? You know, so you can't just you oh, can't yeah. just kill the workers. You have to kill the queen. And the problem is what happened when this mutation occurred is that the ants started accepting new queens into the colony. Normally in ants, there's just one queen. You kill that queen, you've, you've destroyed the colony. In these fire ants with this mutation, they can now have multiple queens in the colony. And so now, if you want to kill that colony, you got to kill all the queens. So how do I get them? <laughs> Is there any secret? Well, I will tell you, one of the most common ways that people try to kill fire ants might actually be backfiring. So, you know, a lot of times we uh -oh. use like these chemical, um, you know, baits or little pellets that you put out that... Um, you know, they do kill ants, um, but the problem is that they tend to kill all ants. And so, yeah, that colony that you sprinkle those pellets on is probably going to die. 
But then what comes next? Well, very likely you have killed all the ants in that area. And what's going to come back is a new fire ant colony. Oh, so I killed my native ants who were actually yeah. fighting. Yeah, exactly. Ants. So one thing you can do is to actually mm -hmm. kill a fire ant mound just by pouring boiling water on it, which doesn't sound very nice, but... I have no mercy. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I think a lot of people probably don't don't worry about uh, yeah. <laughs> doing horrible <laughs> things to fire ants. But, you know, the reality yeah. is that the chemicals do pretty horrible things, too. So the benefit to the boiling water method is you, you know, you just kill that ant colony in that moment. There's no lingering effect. You're not doing anything nasty to the other ants in your area. So it, you know, it, it's not guaranteed to prevent fire ants from coming back, but it's a little bit better in terms of not doing nasty things to our, our native ants. Okay. And so it might be a little bit cruel, but it won't be as generally cruel as poison. That, that's right. And for the environment, it actually is a better thing. And the thing is, we have a lot of really cool yeah. native ants in our area, and, and we tend to not yeah. know about them because... You know, most likely what you're going to see are, are fire ants because they're just so common. And uh, unfortunately, it means we often overlook these really cool and often uh, harmless native ants. How can I tell the difference between fire ants and native ants? Well, one thing I will say is we actually do have a native fire ant. And it would be very difficult for most people, in fact, it's difficult for me, to tell the native fire ant apart from the non-native, the red imported fire ant. But the reality is that the native fire ants have become extremely rare. You're very unlikely to encounter yeah. the native okay. ants. Um, and they're going to bite hard anyway, so I don't want them in my yard. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. All right. Sorry, native fire ants. Yeah. I have no mercy. Okay. They're not the ones that uh, I'm going to make a case okay. for <laughs> in terms of like, <laughs> you know, being like lovely things that we want to try to protect. So why do fire ant bites hurt so much? Okay, so we say that they bite, but actually they're stinging us. So, so ants okay. are um, actually a, a, a modified wasp. They evolved from wasps, and so they are injecting mm -hmm. venom with a stinger in just the same way that, that a wasp is. So, uh, you know, fire ants have, uh, have a venom, and if you're being uh, attacked by one, if you, <laughs> I don't recommend letting it do this, but if you were to watch it carefully, you would see that it's got its abdomen sort of curved around and it's poking its stinger into your skin. And so when you get that like itchy white pustule from fire ants, which we all hate, it's because your body's reacting to the venom. Do you have any advice for avoiding those stings or what to do if you get one? Oh my gosh. I, you know, I hate them just as much as everybody else. The best thing you can do <laughs> is to avoid being stung in the first place. For me, sometimes, and I feel like, you know, the biggest idiot when this happens to me or it's even happened to my kids from time to time, which is even worse, you know, as somebody who studies ants, it's like, you know, I, I should know better. But um, you know, a lot of times it's like if you're walking in ground cover or someplace where you can't see the ground, you don't realize you're stepping on a nest. That seems to be the worst of it, right? But it, what you want to do if you're being stung by fire ants is immediately make sure that you've got all the ants off of your body. And, you know, you can just, you know, rub your hands over them or sort of brush them off to get them off of you. But sometimes you got to take your shoe off, take your sock off because they'll get embedded in there and it's hard to... It's hard to, you know, know that you've got them all off of you. Yeah. Other than that, you know, take Benadryl. You can ice down the area to reduce the inflammation. Um, calamine lotion can be helpful. But yeah, it sucks. Does it happen to you often? You know, I have so many stories of being attacked by ants. 
<laughs> it's sometimes fire <laughs> it's a professional hazard. sometimes others it's like the irony when uh-huh. when you're an ant biologist and you go someplace to to go you know collect ants and then they find you first <laughs> i was at a field station one time in central america i think it was in honduras and you know i arrived late at night crawled into the bunk that i was assigned in the bunk house and then woke up in the morning because i had this in the middle of the night i had this dream that i was being that my foot was on fire that was the dream. And then I woke up and I realized that um, I had accidentally left my backpack on my bed with uh, a pocket open and it had a packet of cookies in there that was open. And fire ants had made their way into the bunkhouse up the bedpost. I was on the top bunk and they were crawling all over my bed and just attacking me. So needless to say, I was not oh. the most popular person in the uh, in the field station the next morning. <laughs> And then, of course, they're like, you know, so what are you here to study? Ants. (laughs) Yeah, I think they found you. (laughs) And you still like them. (laughs) You know, I I do have a a, a soft spot in my heart for ants. They just do so many interesting things. You know, I mean, like one of the things I think is fascinating about them is we think about the queen as like, you know, a leader, but actually the queen isn't a leader at all. They don't have a leader. They they do everything that they do without any leadership or any kind of hierarchy. And it's hard for us to imagine that. So, you know, you might not see a fire ant nest as a marvel of architecture, but actually every <laughs> species of ant has its own distinctive architectural style. Every nest is different for different species. And yet they don't have like a construction foreman who is overseeing, you know, there's no general contractor here who's saying, dig more over there. Let's make this tunnel a little wider over here. You know, we got to build uh, in this direction. They just know how to do it. And is it genetic? It's a combination of like they have a genetic instinct, but they also respond to cues in their environment and to interactions with one another. I mean, almost all human organizations have a leadership hierarchy. And there's some advantages to it, but there's some disadvantages, right? I mean, ant colonies don't have corruption, right? There's no abuse of power. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, uh, maybe we can uh, learn a thing or two from uh, from studying ants. So we can all be like fire ants. All right. (laughs) Thank you very much, Scott. I did not expect to see fire ants as a model. (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, you know, it's uh, it's always important to uh, appreciate the little things in life, right? Oh, oh, ouch. All right. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It is time for some news. Uh, Producer Farrell Gibbs is here with me. Farrell, what is going on in Houston today? Lisa, I've got two quick hits for you today. First of all, a story about a toll road that unexpectedly had a price hike. I, I didn't know they could do that. I didn't either until today. Okay, so... Which toll road? What happened? The 288 Expressway. It opened in November of 2020. And according to KPRC, it cost $5.10 to make a 10-mile stretch on that road back in November 2020. But today, if you drive that same route during the same peak time, it's $11.51. So not even two years and the price is more than doubled. Ow! Who can afford that? So I assume people are not happy? That's absolutely what this article says. Drivers have been complaining about the hike, how unfair it is. But if you read the article, there's really no conclusion to it. It's just a big hike and a lot of angry people. Did it say why they raised the price? It did not. It did say, though, that 
the Texas Department of Transportation contracted with a company called Blue Ridge Transportation to manage this 10-mile portion of it. I couldn't really ascertain who was to blame between the two. Okay. Well, where the money is going. All right. What else? What else is going on? Well, you know, this weekend, the Winter Olympics concluded. Yay. Thank goodness. I am so tired of them. You, you don't like the Winter Olympics? They're so boring, Farrell. I like the skating. The skating's nice. You can at least be proud. We did have a gold medal winner from the state of Texas. We had one gold medal winner from the entire state of Texas. Well, there's not any really much snow here. (laughs) Okay, so who managed to win a gold medal from the state of Texas? This is like Jamaican bobsledders, right? It seems a lot like that. Ashley Caldwell, the Houston Chronicle outright adopted her. Even though she didn't grow up in Houston, she has parents living here. And so the Chronicle said, we're going to count her as one of our own. She won gold (laughs) in the freestyle skiing mixed team aerials. Also, there was a bobsledder named Sylvia Hoffman, who grew up in Arlington, who won bronze, and Katie Ulander from McGregor, just outside of Waco, came in sixth in the women's skeleton. Congratulations. I've got one last thing before we go. So I'm talking now to CityCast listeners. Hello. I think all of y'all know that we are a little baby startup. And now that we are up and running and making episodes, we need to start growing up. We've got to begin breaking even and maybe even turning a profit. We are going to keep the podcast and newsletter free. We're going to start selling ads to support them. And we are also considering a membership program. That is what I want to ask y'all about. What would be a valuable extra for you? Something that you would be willing to pay for? Would you want ad-free podcasts or bonus episodes, cool Houston merchandise, events, tours? What do you want? If you have thoughts on this or an idea for something that would be cool, please let us know. Email us, houston at citycast.fm, or call our voicemail, 713-489-6972. We will have that address and the phone number in our show notes. That's it for today. See you tomorrow. And I think you actually had Dina feeling sorry for ants. Really? I don't know. (laughs) Dina's the hard sell.